Welcome to the Trust Your Gut Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Fair. Here we dive into the world of the mind-body connection, exploring the gut-brain axis, microbiome, and nervous system while harnessing the power of intuition and connection to spirit. If you struggle with chronic digestive and mental stress and are tired of trying just one more diet or supplement to address your symptoms, then this is the place for you. Join me as we learn from the world of science and medicine, but also from nature, our own inner knowing, and personal stories. Thank you for tuning in, and now it's time to trust your gut. woman struggling with chronic digestive and mental stress symptoms, you already know how important diet, stress reduction, and supplemental support is for handling your symptoms. Unfortunately, most women with these exact struggles will continue to treat just the symptoms and find themselves stuck in a cycle no matter how well they eat or take care of their body. And without understanding the gut-brain connection and addressing how the nervous system is playing a major role, they may never find the true freedom and ease that they are looking for. So with this in mind, I created a free guide that you can get to discover the missing piece of your chronic gut-brain symptoms that may be keeping you stuck and instead feel more empowered in your healing and learn how to trust your body and find true freedom from your symptoms without needing to control your diet or every moment of your life any further. I know I was in that cycle for a very long time, and this is what really helped move the needle most for me. So if you're interested in this guide, Uh, You can head over to www.trustyourguthealth.com forward slash guide. It will teach you all about how nervous system regulation is such an important piece to approaching your symptoms and give you tools to learn how to self-regulate and build resilience to stress, including a special guided somatic practice I made just for those of you who got this guide. So head on over, sign up, get it, see if this might be the information you need to move forward in your healing journey. Hello and welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. I am your host, Demi Fair, and today we are going to be talking about what does it actually mean to trust your gut. I think many of us know that saying and understand the concept behind it, but I want to dig in a little deeper to what that actually means in our body and how we can connect more to our intuition and learn how to trust it, trust our inner knowing, and essentially trust our gut. So this really starts in the gut-brain connection and that foundation which is the foundation of the mind-body connection. You may already be pretty familiar with the gut-brain connection, especially if you have followed any of my work or grabbed my free guide, but I want to give a little overview. So the gut-brain axis is this crucial system 
of communication that helps us maintain overall health. And a big part of that system is our gut brain. Our gut brain is known as our enteric nervous system, whereas our central nervous system is in our brain. And the enteric nervous system is called the second brain. It has this name because there are 200 to 600 million neurons in our gut, and that's the second largest cluster of neurons after our brain. Therefore, it's called our second brain. And you may have felt this brain before. It is in a lot of our language when we speak to things like having butterflies in our stomach or feeling sick to our stomach or saying that your stomach just dropped or when you use the term trust your gut. That's all referring to that sensation of the second brain, of that cluster of neurons that lives there. And this second brain is in charge of all our digestive functions. So it will send signals to our brain about our hunger levels or how full we are. It will tell if there's any discomfort or nausea. It can speak to the nutrients that we need. And it can also send signals of well-being and satisfaction after having a nice meal. These signals that are being sent from the gut up to the brain are called gut sensations. And when these gut sensations reach the brain, the brain will send signals back to instruct the enteric nervous system to adjust its function if needed. And the signals that the brain sends back to the gut are called gut reactions. So there are these gut reactions going from the brain to the gut, and there's these gut sensations going from the gut to the brain. And in general, there's communication in between both the brain and the gut, both the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system 24-7. And it's being communicated through hormones in the bloodstream, neurotransmitters in the bloodstream, and this bundle of nerve fibers that connects the two with the vagus nerve being the main nerve of communication. So this communication will affect not only our digestive function, but it also affects our emotions, our mental states, our moods, and therefore our social interactions. So that's the general basis of the gut-brain axis and the enteric nervous system, our second brain. And that second brain is the seat of our intuition. So when we're thinking about how the gut-brain helps us make align choices and makes decisions, we are really tapping into the body's ancient wisdom. Now, in our culture, in Western culture, we have a lot of focus on the mind and this really like top heavy, top down process. So rational, logical, analytical decision making and thinking is very valued. And it certainly has its place. However, when we operate solely out of that area, it can be really easy to get lost in core beliefs and stories, ego, cyclical thinking, 
um, a lot of our survival mechanisms that might lead us astray in our brain. So it is so valuable to just learn how to tune in to that body wisdom, which I like to just refer to as ancient wisdom. It's really the place where we are connected to the earth, to the ecosystem, to different cycles of nature. The other reason it's such an ancient wisdom is because our guts carry the most ancient language. The microbes in our guts speak the most ancient language. So if you think about it, microbes make up every part of our world, from humans to different animals to plants, forest, soils, the ocean. We actually have more bacteria than human cells in our body. And for 3 billion years, bacteria were the only living thing on Earth. And over this vast stretch of time, they began to develop the ability to communicate with each other. And to be able to communicate, they created these signaling molecules to send and impact each other. So they would send these signaling molecules and receive them and influence each other. And these molecules are just like our neurotransmitters and hormones today that our gut still uses to communicate with our brain. And this is really the most ancient language on earth. And over time of evolution, marine animals began to evolve and microbes began living in their digestive system and they started this mutually beneficial relationship. And as these marine animals further evolved, they developed these very simple nervous systems. And these simple nervous systems was this nerve network that surrounded their guts. So it is very similar to the network of our enteric nervous system in our guts today. And that is the foundation of our microbiome and of our enteric nervous system and how that communicates with our brain, that enteric nervous system and that microbiome. This mutually beneficial relationship between bacteria and and living multicellular animals is found in every living creature on Earth, and it has stood the test of evolutionary time. And it was from here, this primitive digestive system and this digestive nervous system that our new, bigger, central nervous system developed in the brain. And so the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system have always been connected and hold the same signaling molecules as the first microbes on Earth. And we have this shared biological communication system to all other microbes in other living creatures as well as the soil, the ocean, and the air. So it's a really beautiful way to see how we're all interconnected and intertwined and each a part of this ecosystem and what connects us all and that we all share this ancient language and evolutionary language within our body. 
So when I think about that, I can really feel that strong wisdom of the body. I also understand that the body always remembers. The body tends to remember things that our brain doesn't. And this could be for good or for bad when it comes to making decisions, which I will explain a little bit later. The other thing to consider is that our body is constantly communicating with our brain. And in fact, about 90% of the communication goes from body to brain, whereas only 10% goes from brain to body. So our brain is actually very dependent on the signals from our gut to operate, whereas our gut isn't so dependent on our brain to function. It's going to do all its digestive functions without much input from the brain. And that's pretty amazing when you think about that and how dependent the brain is on all the signals from the body. It's so easy to think of the brain as the superior. And I actually think of it the other way around. Our brains tend to be really dominating, but our bodies hold so much wisdom and information for us and our brain is really dependent on that information. So I want to just explore a bit about what is intuition. So intuition is really just kind of something you know without rational thought, without analytical, logical thinking. And you may just feel it in your gut you may just feel it in your body. It may just be a sensation. And it's often calm, quiet, grounded, and usually a, a quick insight to a decision or a feeling on something. So you may just sense some danger. You may feel when something just feels off with a person or a place. Sometimes it's this feeling that you need to turn around and go another way or leave a place right now. Um, or it could be a positive thing, like sensing a special connection with the person you met, or a place that you arrived, or just a gentle nudge to, to go somewhere, and then beautiful things unfold after that. Now, there's also what is known as our gut feelings. And gut feelings are similar to intuition, but a little bit different. And... I want to explain that difference. So remember how signals sent from your gut to brain are gut sensations. And then the signals that your brain sends back to your gut are gut reactions. Well, we can clump those all together as gut feelings. And for all your life, your brain has been storing these gut sensations and gut reactions as gut feelings in this database that it can go to for quick access when making decisions. And this might be something about decisions on what to eat or drink, but it also is on larger life decisions, maybe about moving or taking on a job. 
It can help us decide who we choose to spend time with or maybe get into relationship with and also how we can access critical information in our work or school. So this database of gut feelings has been building since birth and it most likely started when you were in your mother's womb. And I believe that it is possibly already built from things that were passed down from your mother. And it begins to collect all these personal experiences and the different emotional reactions to these experiences. So that will be both positive and negative. And this could be a variety of things. This could be really positive feelings associated with love, you know, really satisfying full belly after a delicious meal, the smell of grandma's homemade bread. It could be something like the butterflies you get before a big speech or presentation that was really important to you. It could also be like the negative outcome of a decision that you had to make. And what establishes some of your first gut feelings as an infant is food. So when you experience that empty stomach feeling that signals hunger when you're an infant, that is often one of the first negative emotions that you will have. And and there are many others that can happen as an infant. But hunger for most humans tends to be that first survival-related emotion that our body is sending that signal up to our brain saying like, this is empty, we need food, we need to survive. And so that ends up building your understanding of what is good and what is bad and kind of builds that moral code. It also kind of tells you what the world is like, you know, if it's a scary place or if it's a safe place, you know, how are you going to survive it? And from there, it starts to build, you know, this foundation of all the gut feelings that you experience in life. So with that being said, this helps me segue into a really important question of can you always trust your gut? So our gut feelings and intuitive decision making was designed by evolution to quickly navigate threat and survival. And we are primed to look for danger, to look for threats, and essentially assume the worst. And that is programmed in both our brain and in our gut feelings. But in our modern world, we don't have the same physical threats that we did when we were in hunter-gatherer times. Instead, we have more like chronic psychological stressors in our day-to-day. These threat, survival, danger responses that might happen in our gut decisions or in our brain to these more chronic psychological stressors more frequently can leave us feeling unhappy, depressed, anxious, and 
have a really negative impact on our health, especially on our digestive system. So this is one place where, especially if we deal with a lot of chronic stress, where we can find ourselves struggling to trust our gut or perhaps having more of a negative outlook on everything where we are assuming that the worst is going to happen. Now, this is also a result of going through trauma or nervous system dysregulation. And those things, especially if you are stuck in a survival response or a threat response due to a traumatic event or your nervous system being stuck in a fight or flight response. You might also have it feel difficult to understand your intuitive feelings and you might be more primed to look out for the threats to be in a survival mode. This can also be impacted just by how we were raised and societal conditioning, especially if we've grown up in a really unsafe household where we had to be really hypervigilant or an unsafe society where we don't feel safe to just live in that society because of our race or our sexual identity. All these things can actually kind of corrupt our connection to our intuition and gut feelings. So to give an example of that and make it a little more clear, say you're stuck in a chronic stress pattern that overactivates your sympathetic fight-or-flight nervous system. You might find that your brain makes the wrong intuitive decision or gut feeling decision that the worst outcome is going to happen instead of being able to because your brain and body are primed to look out for threat and are in survival mode. Another point of this too is that many of us have never learned to listen to our inner knowing and trust it. It's not something that is commonly taught in our society. And we just may not really know how to tune in to that inner knowing. Especially if we grew up in a home where we felt unsafe and we needed to protect ourselves by going into our mind. We can find it really hard to tune into the body and know how to utilize its information. Also, we may have had an experience where our body let us down or something traumatic happened that made it feel really unsafe to be in our body. And so it can feel scary to be in the body or we may not trust our body and trust our intuition And that can be the same if we made a decision that ended up having a really negative consequence. Especially if that happened a lot, 
And if that happened in childhood, we might find it really difficult to trust our body. There are many reasons why it can be hard to trust our gut. And I I don't believe that it is so much that our gut itself, our intuition is leading us astray, but more so the things that may have happened to us in our life that put us into hypervigilance, overthinking, uh, threat response, uh, survival mode that has prevented us from really getting to truly connect with our intuition and trust it. This is really the first step in starting to understand our true inner knowing is to reflect on this database of our gut feelings that we've been collecting all our life, all the memories, emotions, and experiences, and how those play a role in our intuitive decision-making. What kind of experience may I have had that prevented me from trusting my body? Or I've been in survival mode, or I've been, you know, feeling threatened, or I've always assumed the worst possible outcome, maybe trying to track that back to when that began and see if you can understand what sort of gut feelings might be stored there and how they may either be supporting your connection to intuition or leading you astray. On that note, before I go any further, I just want to speak to the idea of toxic positivity I think it is really common in our culture to say, oh, just look on the bright side, find the silver lining, the cup is half full, like just change your mind, you know, change your mindset, change your life. And yeah, you know, it's a really great thing to try to influence positivity and being aware of your mind and your mindset and how it's running your life. But for a lot of people, it isn't really about the mind, but it's about the nervous system and the body. And they may be stuck in a threat response or in survival mode or some sort of chronic stress pattern that's dysregulating their nervous system. And just changing their mind doesn't really work. And what's more important is for them to actually feel those fears or negative emotions coming up and ideally working with a practitioner to move those things through the body. And often we just need to be heard and seen and accepted in what we're feeling. And when we try to override it with just changing our mindset or just being positive, we're kind of just shoving it down further and it's going to cause more issues than if we just feel it and move through it. The only way out is through. It's one of my favorite sayings because it has so much truth to it that we really just need to feel these things that are coming up to move through them. And that's not to say, you know, that we want to get stuck in depression or super negative thinking or negative thoughts. We just want to be mindful with how we are holding space for other people's negative emotions and for our own and making sure that we are giving 
those feelings the space to be and to be felt and really understanding that sometimes just changing the mindset's not enough and if you've tried that and you still struggle that it's not something that you just need to do better but perhaps the answer lies in your body and in your nervous system. So that all being said, the other way we can learn how to trust our gut is of course just supporting the health of our gut and our gut microbes as they influence so much of the communication between our gut and our brain and they influence our emotions and decisions. And then of course, as always, nervous system regulation Processing trauma, doing inner child work, releasing chronic stress patterns and stuck emotions. We want to be able to be in a really healthy parasympathetic state to be able to tune into our intuition and integrate the information that we receive from our intuition. And these are all components that improve the overall function of our gut-brain connection and therefore help us trust our gut and listen to our intuition. The other piece is just learning how to identify what your true gut feelings are, like your truth. What is your truth? Not society, not your parents, not your family, not your friends, not what you think you need to do. What are your true gut feelings? What matters to you? What's your truth? And this is a really powerful thing to explore through meditation. You can even just lay on the floor and put your hands on your stomach, on your gut brain, and focus your attention there and just ask, intuition, what do you have to tell me? Journaling is a really good way to access this as well. And then my favorite is to spend time alone in nature. That is where I get most of my downloads and also many people I know feel the same way. Something that comes up often I want to speak to really quick is the difference between intuition and fear because these two things can easily be mistaken, which I have done a lot myself. And what I started to discover was that intuition doesn't have fear behind it. It's this calm, gentle, grounded voice. And it's just this like feeling of knowing. Whereas fear often has like this reaction in the body. It feels like anxiety. It feels like worry, racing thoughts, stories swirling in the head. I notice when I'm in fear, I start to spiral into stories. Well, if this, then maybe this, and then probably this. And you might even feel like increased heart rate or your your breathing gets shallow. And intuition doesn't feel like that. Intuition might tell you something that will end up having emotion around it or fear around it. It might be scary. It might be hard. It might be painful. But it doesn't. have those feelings 
of anxiety and the swirling thoughts and the racing thoughts and the stories with it when you get the message. It is calm. It is quiet. It is knowing. And honestly, it's really hard to tell the difference. But I just want to lay that out here for you now because maybe you'll be able to refer to a time where you weren't sure and maybe this will come up and you can just start paying attention. What else is happening in my body as I'm getting this message? Is this a thought? Is this all in my head or do I actually feel this in my gut? You can start to notice where you feel it. This is a feeling in my gut. This is a knowing or this is in my head. And this is something I have to practice consistently. I have learned how to really get in touch with my intuition and my inner knowing, and it is strong, but it is a quiet voice. And I can hear it, but I still will get confused once the thoughts start coming in and the stories, and I might get lost, and I still don't always honor it and follow it. I still don't always make the most aligned choices because I get confused because other thoughts come in and they're very convincing. My mind is so convincing. And for me, if you've listened to my first episode about my story, you will have heard I struggled a lot with indecision really all my life and I still do. I've gotten a lot better about it, but I used to never know what I wanted. It was something that would be in my mind just swirling around and around and around. And I'm still uncovering really where that indecision came from and that fear of making the wrong choice. And one part of it was that I have always dealt a lot with FOMO, fear of missing out and shooting. I think it has been part of my pattern of wanting to do all the things and have all the exciting adventures and social time and and not miss out on anything and have a really fulfilling life and, you know, maybe distract myself in a way, um, fill myself up in a way. And when the FOMO comes in, or when the shoulding comes in, shoulding's a fun one too. Oh, I should do this because I may not be able to do it again or for this long or the weather's like this today and I may not make it this other day. Oh man, the shoulding, the shoulding, it's so tough. Those two things come in and I get lost. I get lost because the, oh, the shoulding and the FOMO are so convincing. They have really good points. Like, well, today's like this and you know you're not gonna be able to do this again until then and like what if this is the only opportunity and etc 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 and it's hard it's so hard to not listen to those voices and be like no like I need to say no to this or I need to take time to myself or this is what I'm gonna do instead or this is what my body's asking for it is a continual practice probably all your life. (laughs) But it gets easier and it gets better. And I notice now when I make a choice that wasn't aligned and it's like, oh yeah, okay. I knew that. I I chose not to listen. Um, Okay. Sometimes it's like an immediate like, oh yeah, okay. I, I didn't listen fully. 
um, or I, I heard, but I, I didn't honor uh, that voice. And that's okay. It's more information. It's more information because it is a subtle, subtle, quiet voice. So when you don't listen to it, when you don't hear it, when you don't honor it, you just get more information about, oh yeah, that was a point where my intuition was speaking up. That's what it feels like. Okay, I can do that. I can do that next time. I can keep practicing. And you'll keep practicing over and over and over again. I know I am. Just don't beat yourself up about it. We don't need to bring that into the picture. Trust me, I do that all the time. We just want to go, okay, more information, more learning. Now, I could speak to many stories and situations with indecision and learning how to connect to my inner knowing. But that would be probably a really long podcast and very jumbled mess that I don't think anyone wants to listen to. (laughs) And I was reflecting on any personal stories to share. I immediately thought of what I referred to as my intuition journey or this time of travel where I was really learning to connect to and honor my inner knowing. And this happened to be over this nine-month period, I was in South America and Alta Costa Rica. And it first started in Costa Rica, and that was really in a ceremony there where I entered the ceremony really wanting to feel like I could surrender and let go, especially from the, the really overactive thinking. And I asked ayahuasca how I could do that and, you know, really be open to her teachings. And I heard the words, rest and listen rest and listen I was like okay yeah rest and listen (laughs) great and it was so simple and it was really helpful and I went about my adventures and went and had some just fun, high-energy adventures in the mountains, meeting a lot of wonderful people. And after a couple months of that, I found myself really tired, really burnt out, and unsure of what I wanted to do next. And I was being pulled to Peru And I also just felt completely burnt out and wanting to just kind of go home. I knew that after my time there was going to be a time I returned home for a little while. This was coming up towards the the end of the six years of traveling. So I went on a hike up to the top of this little mountain that 
was near where I was staying in Bariloche, Argentina. And I got to the top and I was like, what do I do? (laughs) Really, I make this decision soon. And I just kind of got quiet and suddenly those words dropped back in. Rest and listen. Rest and listen. And I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) right, that's what I need to do. I need to get really quiet and still and listen to what my intuition is telling me. And then suddenly it was really clear to go to Peru and hike alone in the Andes for a while. So um, that's what I did. And at the same time, I ended up having um, this overlap where I think I was in a car and I was listening to a voice message from a friend. And as they were saying the words Peru, he had been telling me about his experience in Peru. I looked up and on the car in front of me was a big sticker across the whole back window that said Peru. It was quite random. I was like, oh, okay. I see. And then I made a new friend in Bariloche and actually right before I went hiking up that little mountain, I was sitting with him in his kitchen and he's the one who told me this hike to go on. And he also handed me a book. It was the only English book he had. And the book was a story that took place in Peru and it was all about following intuition. And I was like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> I guess this is this is where I'm being guided. Also, this friend who handed me the book, he had just started to really explore his spiritual side. It was something he had always been closed off to, just really didn't believe in, and something shifted. Uh, He actually had a lot of dreams and visions and could see a lot of things. And he wanted to do a Reiki session on me, just offered to do that. So I agreed and He said while he was doing the Reiki, he had this vision and he saw me in this magical forest along a little river and I was surrounded by violet and blue and I was really connected to to spirit, um, to you know, kind of this magical world there. I mean, it was was a beautiful vision. And so I went to Peru. I followed that thread and that call, and I did go up into the Andes alone. And the first night I entered out into the Andes, um, I went along a lake and set up my tent just before the sun went down and I watched the sunset and then I noticed that the moon was rising and right when it crested over the mountain I realized it was full and at that moment 10 wild horses went running by and then I had this experience of connecting to 
a spiritual realm that I had never felt before. And I'm going to keep that to myself for now. But it was, um, yeah, it was unreal. And the next day I went on and I was recommended to go out this valley by a local woman and take a little side trip and camp out there. And I got out there and it was the most magical forest I'd ever seen. There were these giant lupin like towering over me, which is my favorite, one of my favorite flowers and um, what I would consider one of my plant allies, spirit plants. And it was just, they were incredible. And there were all these golden tissue paper trees, I call them. They were these almost like madronas. from the Pacific coast, uh, very like, but it was like very thin, like tissue paper type bark and a a ton of it. And it was just this like bright shimmering gold. And I ended up setting up my tent right by a little river and all the lupin around me were violet. And there was a blue butterfly. And again, there was like this deep connection to this more spiritual realm I like could feel this energetic vibration of that whole forest around me and I ended up going for a hike a little bit around just before dark and as I returned to my tent there were two foxes there and then later I camped another extra night in a different spot where no one was around and again I returned to my tent in the dark and had my third fox of the journey. It was Ian's vision and what happened for me in Peru especially being out alone um, I went for another 10-day journey after that five-day one it it was such a call of my inner knowing and honoring that and seeing where that could guide me and you know this is different it's like that's out in Peru you know in Argentina and Costa Rica these you know pretty magical places and I'm able to just kind of flow with wherever my intuition is guiding me and like that's not you know reality for a lot of people and that's not my reality right now I'm living more of a grounded lifestyle at this time through the pandemic and just before to focus on new things and this this can be harder to access that in the day-to-day and I think I'm relearning that now And I find it can be really challenging at times. But this is where I come back to those words, rest and listen. And that's really the whole thread of this story that I wanted to share was that the key to surrendering to what is, um, to the lessons that the universe or spirit 
or nature want to tell you what you learn like from yourself and and from your body and your heart and your your gut like that is found when you're able to really get still and quiet like in a restful state and then just listen like what comes out in that state what are you being told what is your body telling you and that is just some of the most powerful wisdom I have known. If you are looking to learn what it is to really trust your gut, the first step is to rest and listen. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe leave a rating or review, and share it. That helps it reach others who will benefit from this information. So much gratitude for you. Have a beautiful day.